Amen. Mention as well, uh, we were excited today to be able to reveal our new theme for the year. Of course, you see the banners and uh, the canvases around the facilities. Uh, many of you as well have already picked up your notebook, but encourage if you haven't, grab a notebook and a pen, and uh, I pray that uh, it is a blessing to you, both as you see it and think about it, and as we develop it throughout the year. But we're going to be talking tonight about living a spirit-filled life, and uh, something that I'm exciting to, excited to talk about, especially on tonight like tonight where we have the business meeting you think about what is the greatest need that we have here at harvest what's the greatest thing we need is is it uh new buildings is it more people is it more ministries is it more money is it a better pastor not too many amens there some nervous laughter you know, if I hadn't showed my title and uh, tipped my hand and we went around the room and asked 10 people, what, 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 what does Harvest need? We probably would have gotten a variety of different answers. But you know what? I believe that one of our greatest needs, if not our greatest need as a church, is that we be spirit-filled. Amen. Is that we walk in the Spirit. You know, I think sometimes that we as Christians forget that in the church age, we are privileged to enjoy a connection with the Holy Spirit unlike any other. You think about what Adam and Eve had and, and how they communed with God in the garden. You think about the Old Testament saints and we see pictures in the Old Testament how the Holy Spirit would come upon a man. And he would come upon a man for a job or for a season and, and then the Holy Spirit of God would come off a man. And as awesome as that was, that's still not as great as what we have today. I think about the Gospels, where we see the disciples who had the privilege of literally walking with the Son of God. Now for me, I think that would be pretty cool. If I could sit right there, have Jesus stand right here, and teach and preach. And walk with Him, and talk with Him, and be with Him. And yet Jesus said, John 16 in verse number 7... He said this, he said, it is expedient for you that I go away. In other words, it is more profitable for you that I go away than if I stay here. Jesus said, because if I go away, I will send the comforter unto you. That boggles my mind. Every time I think of that verse, that Jesus would say that it is more profitable for you and I to have the Spirit of God within us than the Son of God among us. And yet that's what Jesus said, and it's the absolute truth. You and I are privileged to have a, re a relationship, a connection with God, unlike any other believers in history. In this church age, the Holy Spirit of God lives within. Do you know when we start talking about what it means to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, there's a lot of confusion about that. What is it? When does it happen? What difference does it make? Let me ask you this. Suppose somebody were to ask you right now, are you filled with the Spirit? What would you say? I mean, some of you would, 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 would freeze up because anytime you hear filled with the Spirit, well, well, we don't really talk about that. That's for the other denominations. I don't, I don't know what to do. Some of you would say yes and probably start jumping on pews. I don't know. We probably shouldn't do either, Amen. Don't jump on the pews, all right? 
There's so much confusion. There's so much misinformation out there about what it means to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And if you were to say, yes, I'm filled with the Spirit, let me ask you, what in the world would you give to justify your response? And yet, this matters because the Bible says and teaches that walking in the Spirit is the difference between success and failure in the Christian life. We read it in Galatians 5. What does it say? Put it back up there, Luke. Galatians 5 and verse 16. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what is the key to not living in the lust of the flesh? It's walking in the Spirit. And so this thing that's so often misunderstood, this thing that's so often confused, this thing that's so often maligned, and even not talked about in a lot of churches, what the Bible teaches, it's a great key to success in the Christian life. So tonight, I want to take a few minutes, and I hope to stick by that, a few minutes, and talk about what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. So I actually want to just look at both of these verses, basically, for every point I want to make tonight. So Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, let's read it in unison together. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Over in Galatians 5 and verse 16, read it in unison. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do we live a Spirit-filled life? Number one, it requires a genuine relationship. It requires a genuine relationship. I think we have to start tonight with the basic reminder of who the Holy Spirit is. And as we look at this, we have to remember, it begins with understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal influence. Some people think that they can stumble into the power of the Holy Spirit and it's just kind of this force or influence that takes over, kind of like gravity. You know, at a certain point, if I push this notebook over the edge of my hand, the potential energy uh, becomes kinetic energy. Why? Because the force of gravity takes over. That's not how the Holy Spirit operates. He's not some impersonal force. He's, he, thank you. Thank you, sir. Got, whoa. While you're there, you might as well get the pen I threw at Ryan. Thanks, buddy. Oh, man. Got it. He's not an impersonal force. He's not an influence. He has a mind. He has emotion. He has a will. The Holy Spirit is holy, eternal, omnipotent God. 1 John 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says, These are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. We're not going to take the time tonight to run all the verses, but the New Testament, the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit is holy, eternal, omnipotent God. The Bible teaches us that at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells the believer. So in other words, tonight, if you are a Christian, you have received Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit of God is housed in your body. That's an incredible truth. Incredible truth. Romans 8, or verse number 9 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man 
have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. See, here's the thing. You cannot be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live within. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple? It is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Which ye have of God and ye are not your own. So you know what that tells me? As we consider the person, personhood of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, you have received the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Here's the thing. The Holy Ghost has moved in. The Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence in your life. He is present with you. You know what this explanation teaches us? That if we're a Christian, we don't have an excuse not to have a genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. If I don't have a relationship with Him, it's not His fault, it's mine. Because He moved in. What is the relationship? A relationship, any relationship, starts with an awareness and appreciation for the presence and performance of another. I think so often we lack living a spirit-filled life because we lack a genuine relationship. Outside of maybe coming to church, we give little to no thought, little to no awareness, little to no appreciation to the fact that the Holy Ghost lives within me. Because I'll get up tomorrow and I'll go to work and chances are most of us, many Christians, will spend the whole day without thinking once about the fact that the Holy Spirit of God lives within And it's kind of hard to have a relationship when there's no awareness and there's no appreciation. I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost lives within. Hey, fooey on the idea, church, that the Holy Spirit comes and goes like he did in the Old Testament. Fooey on the idea. That's Hebrew, by the way. Fooey on the idea that the Holy Ghost... That, that I need more of the Holy Spirit for special occasions. That I need to, like, like spiritual Samson, that I get me an extra dose of the Holy Spirit and I become super saint every once in a while. And I'll tear down them spiritual pillars. Ah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Now, we got to be careful because sometimes even the songs we sing lead us to think that way. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He moved in, and he hadn't moved out. And you have all of him. You have all of him that you need, and you have all of him that you will ever have. The problem is, is that being indwelt is not the same as being filled. Being indwelt is not the same as walking in the Spirit. And here we go. Being filled is not a question as to whether you possess all the Spirit, but rather a question of whether the Spirit possesses all of you. If we're going to live a Spirit-filled life, it's going to require a genuine relationship. But not only that, I want you to notice something else about these verses. Go back to Ephesians 5 and verse number 18. We're going to read them together because there is power in God's word. Ready? And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5 and verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we see first the genuine relationship that we need to have with the Spirit of God who lives within. But it's important for us as well to recognize that living a Spirit-filled life is a God-given command. It is a God-given command. In both of those verses, the instruction to us was not offered as a suggestion. It was stated as divine decree. It is a God-given command that Christians live a spirit-filled life. I'm going to key in on Ephesians 5 and verse number 18. Luke, if you could put that one up for a moment. I want you to notice where it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. First of all, and this is really true for both these verses, it is a present command. When I consider commands in the present tense, it's important for us to understand that it's not so much saying that this is something to do now, but rather, in this case, it's something that is saying uh, that this is something that we should always be and always be doing. It, It is something that carries the idea of continual action. Galatians 5 and verse number 25 says this, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Both of these kind of helping to reinforce that idea of continual action. This is something that should be a part of my life. Walking in the Spirit should be the normal way of life for the believer. It's not the peak. It is the prevailing norm. And again, I remind us, it's not a suggestion for a better life. It is a command for us to have the abundant life. If we go back to Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, we see that not only is it a present command, it's also a plural command. Paul here is addressing all believers. In other words, this thing of walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is not special instructions for the select few. It's not for pastors and missionaries or deacons or teachers. It is for every born-again child of God. It is God's intent for every member of His church. I love what we see in the early church, Acts chapter 4 and verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, and and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Being filled with the Spirit of God is God's standard for your life. You say, well, well I'm, 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 I hold no position in the church. It doesn't matter. You have position in Christ. Therefore, being filled with the Spirit of God is God's will for your life. But, but preacher, I just got saved. I've only been saved like a year, six months, six weeks, whatever. That's okay. Being filled with the Spirit is God's command for your life as well. You say, preacher, I've been at it 40 years. Well, terrific. But being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit each day, is still God's intent for your life as well. It is God's standard for your life. Why? Because the king of the universe is so decreed, and that ought to mean something. And so I can conclude then, when I am not filled with the Spirit... 
Or when I am not walking in the Spirit, then I am filled with and walking in disobedience. It's a God-given command. It's a present command. It's a plural command. And this is where we start to fill in the, maybe some of the gaps a little bit and, and clarify some of the things that have been misconstrued. Not only is it a present command and a plural command, but it's also in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, it is a passive command. Now, we're not as familiar with how these work. We're more accustomed to active commands, the thou shalts and thou shalt nots, the things that I can actively do and the things that I actively abstain from doing. Those are a little bit easier for us to grasp. But this is a passive command because you'll notice there at the end of verse 18 that it doesn't say to fill yourself with the Spirit. What does it say? It says, but be filled with the Spirit, teaching us that filling is not something that we do. Rather, it is the work of God that we receive. Now, we've already talked about how this this is God's design for us. It it is to be the norm for believers. It's, It's not next level. It's not the peak. It's the pervasive norm. This is how God wants us to live our lives every moment of every day. Filled with the Spirit. So that teaches me a couple of things. Number one, it teaches me that the Holy Spirit is ready and willing to fill me at any moment. He's ready. He's willing. But I need to make myself available to Him. And receive what He wants to do. I don't know if I made up this word or I stole it. I can't remember. Chances are I stole it, but... It's one of those active commands, thou shalt not steal. But I somewhat gave credit, so is it really stealing anymore? I don't know. Um, okay, any words. Anyways, the word that may or may not be stolen is the idea of fillability. Fillability. Fillability is the level to which the Holy Spirit is free to do all that he came into my life to do. Now, if you're like me, sometimes fillability can vary in different areas as well. Because sometimes when people hurt me or cross me, I'm not as fillable relationally as I ought to be. Sometimes when things get tight and God says give, I'm not naturally as fillable as I ought to be. Sometimes the old flesh just rears its head. But fillability is the idea of of the level to which the Holy Spirit is free to do all that he came into my life to do. The opposite of being fillable is to resist him. In the New Testament, we get a couple of uh, different examples of this. One is to grieve the Spirit, Ephesians 4 and verse number 30, where the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. I like to picture it this way. To grieve the Holy Spirit of God is when I say, You know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, and I just don't care. And I do what I want to do, regardless of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's when I grieve the Spirit. So we can grieve the Spirit. But then we also have where we can quench 
the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 19, where it says, quench not the Spirit. Here is where I know the Holy Spirit's working on my heart. Hey, pass out that gospel track. Hey, invite that neighbor to church. Hey, have that family over to dinner. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. And I say, you know what? I just, I just don't think I want to do that right now. And so to grieve him is when I do what I want to do, regardless of what he says. And to quench him is when I actively refuse to do what he wants me to do. But both of those are the opposite of fillability. Do you see the conflict that begins to arise? What is that main factor that keeps me from being fillable? See if you can pick up on it. To grieve the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do what I want to do. To quench, I know what you said, Holy Spirit, but I don't want to do that right now. You see, the biggest hindrance to me living a Spirit-filled life What is it? It's me. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, oh Lord. It's not the president. (laughs) It's not the Congress. It's me, oh Lord. It's not the culture. It's not social media. It's me, oh Lord. But being spirit-filled, we have to understand that it is a God-given command. And when we understand that, we can continue to pursue a life that settles for nothing less than being spirit-filled. I know I don't have time, but I'm going to do it anyways. You know what I found in my life? Sometimes I know what the Holy Spirit wants me to do, and I don't even know how to do it. I, I, I can remember very clearly in my own heart a couple of occasions where I knew I needed to forgive somebody. But I knew what I felt. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't even know. How, how do I forgive? Like, I know what I need to do. I just don't know how to do it. Sometimes by faith, we just need to say that prayer. Lord, I don't, I don't really know how to do all that you're telling me to do. But by faith, I want to do it. So, Lord, by faith, I'm going to forgive. Lord, by faith, I'm going to you fill in the blank. And it's simply being fillable. Being available for the Holy Spirit to be free to do all that he came into my life to do. It's not to be a next level thing. It's to be the normal thing. The Spirit filled life. What is this thing about living a spirit-filled life? We saw, first of all, the genuine relationship that's required. We, we saw, secondly, that, that when we see this, it's in the, the context of a God-given command. But I want you to notice, finally, tonight, and we'll move very quickly, because I told our other groups to come back in at 645, and it is 645. Uh, I want you to see what happens when we live the spirit-filled life. We see the great results. We see the great results. 
Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, what do we see? Read it with me. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5 and verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So we have a genuine relationship. We have a God-given command, and we have great results. As we consider this, what, what is being called for here and what results is complete saturation. When we live walking in the Spirit, when we live filled in the Spirit, you know what happens? It affects every aspect of our life. Here in Ephesians 5, we see the contrast being drawn between the Spirit and alcohol. Now, both of these dramatically alter the total being. Both of these alter behavior. Both of these alter emotions. Both of these alter mental processes. Both of these alter decision making. One does so positively, the Spirit of God. One does so negatively, alcohol. But what we see here is that there is a complete saturation of the being. Where the entire being is altered. We can say it this way, being filled with the Spirit affects everything. Have you ever put on a pair of glasses that had colored lenses? It affected the way you saw everything. Have you ever added some salt to your dish? What happens when you add that salt to the dish? It permeates. It permeates that dish and it saturates the flavor, fills the dish. In other words, the Spirit of God will saturate every aspect of our lives in such a way that it not only changes how we interact with the world, but how anyone who interacts with us will see and taste and feel the power of God. Can I ask you this tonight? Is there any area of your life that the Spirit has not been allowed to saturate? Is there any area of your life where we've kept this, where where your fillability is not what you know it ought to be? The great results is that when the Spirit of God fills our heart and life, when we walk in the Spirit, there is a complete saturation that changes everything. And with that, we see comes a conquering strength. Galatians 5 and verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we walk in the Spirit, we will not Fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So simple and yet significant. It's a declaration. Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a couple of other ways that this construction is used when it talks about being filled. One picture of it is we could consider the wind that fills a sail and moves a boat. We could consider a hand that fills a glove and makes it work. 
Both pictures teach us that the power to say yes to God and no to sin only comes when we are spirit-filled. He is our energy. He is our empowerment to do the will of God from the heart. And so we come to the base issue tonight. The base issue is that of control and influence. I think that's why this is kind of hard for us sometimes. You know, it would be a whole lot easier if the Spirit was just a force or influence that when we got to a certain point, just kind of pulled us over the edge. It's okay, it can, we'll be good. Sometimes I think that'd be easier. Because then, you know, I just kind of do my thing and he'll do his thing and it'll all be good, right? But that's not the case at all. No, the base issue is that of control and influence, and that's why we sometimes struggle. Because I don't know about you, but I kind of like control. But I got to get self out of the way so that I can be fillable in every area. Church, hear me tonight. Being filled with the Spirit is not an event. It is a state of being. Being filled with the Spirit is not ever needing more of Him, but always Him needing more of me. And this is why this is so paramount. This thing of walking in the Spirit, this thing of being filled with the Spirit, is the only way to live for and please God. You see, the flesh can do just about everything the Spirit can do. The flesh can be generous. I I know a lot of wicked people who give away a lot of money. The flesh can be generous. The flesh can be compassionate. The flesh can engage in some semblance of morality. There are all sorts of people who are dead in their trespasses and sin, but live a far more moral life than a lot of saved people do, sadly, sometimes. The flesh can be bold for the things that it believes in. You see, the flesh can do a lot of the same things that the Spirit can do, except for the one that matters most. And that is please God. You see, it doesn't matter what I do. If I do it in the flesh, it does not please God. Romans 8 and verse number 8 reminds me so that they that are in the flesh. What are those next three words? Cannot please God. And so the only way for me to live for God and please God is to walk in the Spirit and be Spirit-filled. That's important for me to know because I want to please God. That's important for us to know because we want this church to please God. And if that truly is the case, that there is only one option. We must learn to be spirit-filled. Being spirit-filled is not a mystical thing. It's not a magical thing. It's not an ecstatic thing. It's not a philosophical thing. It is a very practical thing, whereby moment by moment, we have a sweet relationship with and surrender to the leading of the precious Holy Spirit of God in every aspect of our lives. 
If you're saved, he lives in you. If you're saved, he's trying to lead you. And if you're saved, here's the thing. Living spirit-filled means learning how to hear and heed him more and more each day. It is the only way for us to live lives that please God.